Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. is probably the toughest part of this run that I'm coming up. It's a, it's a hill. When I moved to Atlanta, that was one thing, man. I did not, I mean, I thought I've been down to Atlanta a couple of times, but I did not realize how many hills, how many hills there are. So coming out of my, my development, there's two of them. First one is a little like moderate incline. Goes for a couple, like I say, 150 meters. But then there's this diesel one with a little curve to it that leads to the main road, Covington Highway. It's no joke. But uh that's like the one major thing with this run. I'll be dreading, I'll be like, But then when I get to the top of it, <laughs> like just now, yo, uh, as painful as it was to get to this point, oh, such a good feeling. It's a good feeling to make it to the top. Uh, I feel like with this, we got to really celebrate the small victories. The funny thing is, there's another, you know, my other run. I got a few different routes I do. So the one that I've been doing the most, it's like a three-mile loop going through all my development. And the hill is last. So it's like, yo, with that one, I go through the entire run. I mean, you know, it feels good. Go up a couple of hills during that course. But then that last one is like the finale. And, you know... There's like a little dread leading up to it, like, man, here it comes. But then, the dopest thing about that, with the hill being at the end, as opposed to the beginning, like this one. Once I get through that hill, that last hill, I know that I'm almost done. And it's just like, each and every time, a tremendous sense of accomplishment. No matter which way you do it, you know? It's like I survived another run. 
live to see the live to see the next day and celebrate it. And I guess the biggest hope and benefit of all is that that'll be hopefully for many years to come because of the running, because of the physical activity. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. My name is Maurice Selby, and you are listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem, and the Health in Harlem podcast featured on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora. We're all over the place these days, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, you know, one thing I always say on this program is that, you know, we're not here to sell you anything. We're not here to tell you how to live your lives, but we do strive to really just give you uh, the best information possible so that you can make decisions um, that have really contribute to a happy, healthy lifestyle. Um, but this is a very different program tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because I will be a salesman um, and this is going to be <laughs> sort of a sales pitch to you. Um, I am pitching the magic pill, right? This is the magic pill on health in Harlem uh, tonight. And uh, the person that is going to help me sell that pill to you is Dr. Leonard Kaminsky. He is the director of the Fisher Institute for Health and Wellbeing. Also the John and Janice Fisher Distinguished Professor of Wellness. Um, he is at Bell, Ball State University in Indiana and um, an expert in um, kinesiology, exercise physiology. And that's what we'll be talking about tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is your cardiorespiratory fitness and how this really is a cornerstone um, in terms of living that active active and healthy lifestyle. So welcome to the program, Dr. Dr. Kaminsky. Dr. Selby, it's a pleasure being with you and I appreciate that uh, intro to really advocate for fitness and uh, hopefully we'll have a good conversation and, and convince some people of how important this is. Yes, indeed. And so that's the thing, you know, I'm really, um, I'm excited because you know, there's a lot of things that we sort of offer um, in, you know, the health, the field of healthcare in medicine that, um, you know, there are downsides with certain interventions and mm -hmm. whether we're talking certain medications or, um, you know, certain lifestyle and dietary changes that we might recommend that can be um, difficult to quote unquote swallow, right? Or, or difficult to abide by, or they have adverse effects. But this is the one thing when we talk about um, exercise and physical activity, cardiorespiratory fitness, there are not many downsides to this. Um, and, and the benefits to health are just, um, you know, almost innumerable. I mean, there's always mm -hmm. a publication coming out um, nearly daily that I see where they're talking about the benefits of exercise. And so that's why we brought you in really just to break this down for us. Um, so that we can really understand, you know, how vital this is to live in a happy, healthy lifestyle. Right. Yep. So um, in, in terms of um, the field, and I guess we could just jump into exactly what you do in terms of the field of exercise physiology. What have we learned about the, the connection between physical activity um, and health and well-being? Yeah, and you brought up kind of a good point that it's a newer field. And a lot of times people that term exercise physiology, people don't even understand what that is. I know when uh, you know I first started in this career and I told people that's what I was doing or training for and became an exercise physiologist, uh, a lot of my friends got so like they 
I, I've got a knee injury. My knee is hurting or something. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do with that? You know, and I'm, I'm not a sports medicine doctor. I'm an exercise physiologist. So it's really our field. Um, we're not even 100 years old. And a lot of the research that uh, kind of you're saying, a lot of studies are coming out recently. It's really taken off in the last 20, 30, 40 years. So mm-hmm. it's it's not surprising that people don't fully understand this or aren't you know, hopefully they're hearing the message more nowadays, but, uh, you know, you didn't get a lot of this in, in grade school. You know, people that are my age and older, um, you didn't hear a lot about these things. So it is a, a process of educating uh, people that way. But, uh, you know, when I talk about kind of the benefits and, and what have we learned uh, about the connection between physical activity and health and well-being, I always like to start with, you know, these terms. And you mentioned all three of them, physical activity, exercise and cardiorespiratory fitness. And and again, for many people, all those things sound kind of the same. We use them interchangeably. You know, it's, you know, we talk about, I'm going to exercise today and I'm going to be fit. I'm going to, you know, be more active and, and use that beach bod, the beach bod. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So, so let me just quickly try and break it down for physical activity is really just any movement a person does. So it could be, you know, I'm sitting in the chair and I get up, you know, that's a movement, that's physical activity. Exercise is a form of physical activity, but it's it's got a plan to it. So you have to do it regularly to get the benefit from it, where, you know, physical activity, I might be real active for a couple of days and then take a week off, gotcha. um, you know, but with exercise to really do it, there's got to be a consistency to it. You know, as far as you're doing on a regular basis, either so many days per week and for so much time. And, and you got to, and, and there's really a purpose for that. And that purpose is to improve your fitness. So, fitness is kind of the outcome or the result of these choices we make to either be more active or actually, I'm going to try and discipline myself and, and develop a regular exercise routine. And kind of the result we can measure from that is a change in fitness. Certainly, it's. Got it. It's easy to kind of track. We could ask the person, how active are you or do you exercise? And they could tell us, you know, I do a certain thing or I, I don't do much at all. Uh, but from kind of more the clinical side or the, you know, the medical side, the scientist side of things, measuring fitness is kind of the key outcome. And that's where most of the, quote, bang for the buck comes from is improving your fitness. Got it. So essentially that that physical activity or at least the equation that I got from this is physical activity plus exercise, which are two totally different things. Thank you Mm -hmm. for categorizing that um, for us or making that distinction um, that can translate or equal cardiorespiratory fitness. Right. It's kind of the outcome of that. And, and, you know, the other thing is all three of those things are related to good health. So I I don't want to like, I've got to only think about my fitness. You know, that's again, that's a good thing. But if you're more active, you're going to improve your health. If you exercise more regularly, you're going to improve your health. And obviously, if you improve your fitness or have a good or high level of fitness, you're going to have good health outcomes. So all three are related to it. Got it. And then when we talk about um, cardiorespiratory fitness, um, I mean, I think for our listening audience, we could definitely break down some of these words. So cardio, you know, pertaining to the heart um, and obviously respiratory, you know, um, sort of our breathing, our respiratory system. Um, and they are, ladies and gentlemen, very, very closely linked. But when we talk about that, that word fitness, what does that entail? Because I think one thing that um, sort of... Um, 
pops into mind, or at least my prior understanding of this was that, hey, fitness was, as I said, that beach bod, you know, you got the body all oiled up and the sun is shining on you, glistening, and you have uh, nice pectorals. Um, But I don't know if those are necessarily the same thing um, as as cardiorespiratory fitness in the sense of what you measure um, day to day um, in exercise physiology and kinesiology. Right. And, and fitness spans, there's some different types of fitness. So the beach bodge kind of routine is more for muscular fitness, which is also has some health benefits to it. But cardiorespiratory is, like you say, it's the heart and lungs and kind of that interaction between them. And, and you know, when we think about our heart and lungs, we're obviously breathing to bring air or oxygen into our body. And then we're using that oxygen through the heart, pumping it to the rest of the body. And, and we're really delivering it to the muscles. So kind of one of the neat things about fitness when we measure it is it's it's a whole body measurement so it, you can't have good fitness and have a breakdown in certain parts of the body you know that will be reflected in it so if your heart's not functioning optimally your fitness isn't going to be optimal if your lungs aren't operating optimally you're going to have a detriment in it your muscles aren't being used regularly you know they kind of atrophy a little bit or shrink in size or just get lazy kind of, you know, you're not going to have good fitness. So it really kind of ties all three of those parts of the body together. And that's really kind of the nice thing about this measure. Got it. And so um, uh, this, what is it actually that we are measuring when it comes to um, that fitness? Um, When we talk about the cardiorespiratory fitness, what is exactly that we're looking at? You know, I guess, um, one thing, or at least the way that I sort of envisioned it before was, hey, if I ran, you know, six miles, didn't matter what pace <laughs> I ran yeah. that six miles, yeah. like a good measure of fitness, even if I hadn't done it for six months right. um, or seven months or a couple of years. Um, the fact that I was able to still do it, you know, I would feel to myself like, hey, I'm still pretty fit um, right. when that right. might not be the case, maybe quantitatively or if we measured it um, uh, in the truest sense. So how, how do we actually measure this? Yeah, and and let me just for I, I mentioned that kind of back to one thing you mentioned in kind of defining fitness and maybe for your audience to think of it in terms of function. You know, how easy is it for me to function? Like you said, if I could go out and run six miles, even if it wasn't at the pace maybe I used to be able to do it at, I still accomplished something. I was functionally able to do that versus boy, I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I get too tired. I can't, I just can't keep up that pace anymore. You know, so it's really about function, but when we measure it, um, the, the technical measure, what we actually get in our laboratory, it's people may have heard the, the phrase VO2 max, which just stands for V is for volume and O2 is oxygen. So we're really measuring how much oxygen can your body take in and utilize. And it's through oxygen that our bodies create energy. So it's really kind of a source of energy measurement is what we're getting out of this. How much energy can you produce with your body? And you need energy to do the activities you'd like to do. So it's kind of, again, there's the functional side of it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And um, finally, really, how does this sort of translate to uh, better health? Um, and, and that's something that I feel like is, is also, uh, you know, sort of difficult because you'll run that, uh, six miles, maybe that you haven't ran, hadn't ran in right. five years. <laughs> You'd probably say to yourself, well, what, man, I'm out of shape. And, uh, you know, sort of, um, 
you know, that that I guess in isolation might not get us the results that sort of we are talking about um, on this program. So really, how does all of this, this physical activity plus the exercise and achieving that cardiorespiratory fitness, how does that translate into um, overall health and and well-being? And I guess maybe we can start from the top down um, in terms of those those benefits. Yeah, well, you know, I I deal the most in, in obviously as a you know, physician, you see probably the most patients come in with cardiovascular problems. So heart disease is still our number one uh, cause of death and disability in our country. Um, so if we think of the common risk factors for that, cholesterol, high blood pressure, cigarette smoking, obesity, and then exercise gets weighed into that. If we would compare those different risk factors, say which one is the worst you know, we ask a person that question, you know, they might have different answers, but most people kind of gravitate towards smoking uh, as maybe the worst and, or what's the best one to, to kind of avoid doing or whatever. When we do the studies, and, and a lot of people have looked at this over the last 20 to 40 years, exercise or physical activity and most potently fitness is a more powerful factor relative to health than those other risk factors. So. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is so powerful because it affects all the different parts of the body. So what I mentioned before, it's a whole body measure. So it's your heart's got to be pumping to do exercise. You got to be breathing to get all that air into your lungs to do that. And then when you take that oxygen to your muscles, your muscles have to be able to utilize that. So and it's going to other organs in the body. So, you know, it's going to your brain. So it's going to be good for your mental health and, mm-hmm. and psychological well-being as well. You know, so it really impacts the whole body. So I think that's the, quote, magic part of, of exercise or fitness is it's really a whole body indicator versus sometimes, you know, when you treat patients and they have high blood pressure, you're giving a medication that affects one thing to try and get their vessels to relax or, mm-hmm. or something else to happen to lower that blood pressure. Exercise does that for the whole body. For the entire body. So starting from the top down and... um I can attest to this, ladies and gentlemen, because recently, and I'm trying to remember the trigger. It might go back to our recent show. We had um, Thomas Johnson, um, you know, fitness uh, trainer, trainer and the, the owner and founder of Get Up and Get Fit. And he essentially came on and uh, really just got me to focus on my why, right? Why I, mm-hmm. I sort of exercise. And, um, you know, I think I even talked about it on that program as far, not even for me anymore. I mean, although I like the beach bod and uh, <laughs> that sort of stuff, yeah. but it's really about, hey, I need to be around for a long time, right? I have a family now, two daughters, um, a wife, and I really need to figure out a way to just sort of maximize my health um, so that I can be around to enjoy them and, and support them. And, um, you know, what it came down to is like, yeah, I have to get moving um, with the knowledge that you know, we, we sort of have about um, exercise and cardiorespiratory fitness. And um, I can tell you the benefits so far, man. And, and it's been, you know, it's palpable um, because I will run that three miles. So this has been my, my routine is, you know, at minimum, I try to run three miles about five days a week. Um, and before I was always a runner, you know, ran track in high school and stuff. Um, but uh, this is something that I've definitely turned into that um, exercise, right? As we said, this is right. sort of a end activity that I'm doing with some foresight and uh, with essentially just defined goals um, in terms of improving my cardiorespiratory fitness and my overall health. 
Um, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, and last night is a perfect example because, you know, my daughter woke up 730 in the morning yesterday on a Saturday, of course, actually 7 a.m. Um, <laughs> the other one, I already had the my my four week old in my hand at that time. And so my, my sleep was cut off at probably about five hours and went down, you know, making breakfast and stuff throughout the whole day. You know, we had a great day, actually went out and um, uh, did some shopping and stuff, getting ready for the holidays and had a good time. And then, you know, everything dies down. We watch the movie together, get the girls to bed. And um, then I make that decision. I'm like, man, I didn't run today. I know I want to. And it's, you know, it's a nice night. So one thing I look at the weather app and I'm like, wow, it's 50 something degrees. I was like, yo, you can't pass up on this. Like, and it took all the willpower in the world to get up. I was not happy about having to go out. Um, you know, this is 1130 now because Imani went to bed late after we had to all watch that movie. Um, and I still did it. And afterwards, and this is the same thing every time, mm-hmm. every time after that last, you know, mile, however long I run the, you know, those endorphins that I'm pretty sure you might have heard about, you know, these uh, uh, small chemicals, um, neurotransmitters in our brains. Those things are real, man, because I feel rejuvenated. I feel so good after doing that, um, feeling my heart racing and um you know, just sort of the clarity that comes with that during the run, thinking about, um, you know, sort of all sorts of things, this COVID vaccine and how we're going to talk about that. And what, a, like, it's just the amazing, the, the amount of clarity that comes from it. And that's why we say it starts from the top down. Um, you know, there's uh, literature coming out showing that we actually produce things like brain derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, that helps us grow our neurons and, um, you know, we talked about the the benefits when it comes to the heart and our uh, respiratory function. And um, if you look, uh, if you want to find GI stuff and you want to improve your bowel movements, well, guess what? Physical activity is a way to do that. Um, There's so many benefits. As you said, um, Dr. Kaminsky, it's just, you know, a whole body sort of um, therapeutic, I guess you can, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and so I, I agree. And I feel that. I feel that when I yeah. do it. And one thing I was when when you were describing that, uh, you know, one a common thing we throw into kind of defining fitness to people is it helps uh, kind of prevent undue fatigue. And that's what I sense when you were talking about that. that oh, I had to get up, had a late night, had to get up early with my kids, had a full day with them, did all these activities. So yeah, you still were able to do something after that. You're able to do that because of your fitness being improved. You know, when we're not fit, it's just things wipe us out. We just get, you know, doing ordinary things, just kind of, oh, man, I'm exhausted. And then I just kind of, you know, lay down and collapse for the night and don't do a whole lot of things. But fitness gives you that energy to keep going and, you know, handle more activities uh, in your daily life and stuff. So that's, you know, that that's the one thing I recognize when you're talking about that. I was not in my head. Yeah, you've got fitness because, uh, you know, that's a real characteristic of it. Got it. Got it. Um, and so another thing that, um, you know, I really wanted to sort of focus on was how much of this, right, um, when we talk about that equation, the physical activity plus the exercise and giving us that cardiorespiratory um, fitness, how much exercise or phys- physical activity is needed to see these benefits in our, in our health? Yeah, and great question and, and certainly a very important one for people to 
understand and it's confusing because uh, you can get on the internet and you read all sorts of things uh, you know the 30 second exercise routine for good fitness and stuff uh, but uh, fortunately uh, you know our, our, we finally got with it uh, kind of from a health standpoint and in 2008 the first physical activity guidelines for Americans came out and that was renewed again in 2018. And the principal recommendation in there for people is 150 minutes per week of what would be considered moderate to vigorous physical activity and or exercise. Actually, you know, the, it gets a little more technical. If you did 75 minutes of vigorous, which is exercise uh, per week, that gives you good benefits from a health perspective. The other thing they throw in there, and it's important to mention, even though we're focusing more on cardiorespiratory fitness, these guidelines also recommend individuals twice a week do some kind of muscular fitness activities, whether it be strengthening or muscular endurance things. And, you know, those could be simple things that you could do around the house. We all in physical education classes learn some kind of calisthenics and push-ups and, and those type of things. Uh, you know, there's easy little exercise you could do with just stretchy bands and stuff around the home. So th those are, you know, simple things people could do as well, but it's from the overall recommendation and, and where most of the health benefits come from, it's 150 minutes per week and that could be accumulated throughout the week. So you mentioned, you know, three to five days per week uh, of, you know, doing some exercise like that. So if people did 30 minutes, five days a week, you know, they would get to that goal of doing that. Got it. And the nice thing is it, it by accumulating it, you know, it could be different. You maybe your schedule gets really compacted and you could only work it in three days a week. But if you could extend the time on those three days and do 50 minutes on those three days a week, and I choose to do five days for 30 minutes, we're getting essentially the same benefit from that. Interesting. And on the other hand, I guess if you're and I've definitely encountered this type, I think this was um, or I guess even to this day. It's still me to a certain extent where, um, you know, we're trying to get sort of the most bang for our buck in terms of time. And so trying to cut that uh, time down. But it, you did mention that uh, with, I guess, vigorous activity, right. that you can cut that time essentially in half, right, to 75 yeah. yep. vigorous activity yep. a week. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, more is better to an extent. Obviously, we could overdo almost anything, you know, any good thing. If you do too much of it could be bad. And that's maybe the only downside about exercise you know, people could do too much. Not not many people face that problem. And they basically doubled it. So up to like 300 minutes a week, moderate to vigorous or 150 minutes vigorous. So if you do 150 minutes a week, you're getting health benefits. You know, it's clear from the evidence that you're getting health benefits. And if you did up to 300, you'll get more. So it's kind of, you know, you use the term in medicine, dose response. You know, it's like your medicine. Sometimes you need more of a dose of that to get the response you need to control your blood pressure. It's the same with exercise. You could get more of a benefit from exercise, improve your fitness more if you do more of it, again, up to a certain extent. So the magic pill, ladies and gentlemen, let's increase that dose potentially um, <laughs> to get those benefits. Yeah. Start small. Uh, so like if you haven't yeah, heard anything, start small. And, and, and again, I'm always cautious with that because, you know, some is better than none. So if, if people say, oh my gosh, 150 minutes a week, even that sounds, you know, monumental for me to accomplish. Um, just start small, start with, Hey, I'm going to try and walk two to five minutes today. 
and build on that. And over time, you know, that's the nice thing about being more active in exercise training, your body adapts to that. And it kind of makes it easier if you do it regularly. Hey, I remember when I first started five minutes, I would be kind of huffing and puffing and <laughs> out of yeah. breath and I'd be tired and I'd have to sit down. And, and now I do, I could do 15 minutes and I feel great. You know, I got, and I have more energy. I feel like I have more energy. So it's, it's, it happens pretty quickly if people just give it a chance. I'm astonished actually. And I'm glad that you mentioned how quickly this occurs because, um, you know, I was looking down the line and, and I started, um, so I, t- I think I said, uh, yeah, my goal is around three miles, um, which, you know, starting out, maybe that was a bit much <laughs> for me having <laughs> ran track many years ago in high school and stuff. But, um, I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna just do the three miles, I'm gonna stick with it. Um, and, uh, I was doing probably nine minutes a mile. I was finishing, you know, usually above 27 minutes um, for the entire run. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, okay. And then suddenly, as of this week, probably over the last week and a half. Now, this is something that I've been doing since probably early or late October as far as um, really getting in, mm-hmm. you know, these miles um, on a consistent basis at least four to five times a week. Um but yeah, I was telling my wife, Christine, the other night that I was like, yeah, even my slow nights, like it's astonishing because the nights where I feel like I'm running slow, I'm actually doing significantly faster than my fat, my mm-hmm. old fast times. Right. Um, yeah. Which. Uh, and so, I, every, ladies and gentlemen, I do use um, uh, my watch to sort of track, you know, how I'm doing and stuff and to to see how far I'm running. So I've been keeping the times and um I expected this to happen, you know, months like next year. That was my goal is to start running mm-hmm. the time that I'm running now. But the thing is that I'm actually running faster almost without even the effort in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's exactly what you said, Dr. Kaminsky, and that it's just become so easy um, or easier because I definitely still huff right. and puff. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, uh, but well, definitely- vigorously, so that's good. But yeah, but you're you're going at a faster pace. So you become able to do that where when you first started doing that you you're pretty you know huffing and puffing doing a uh, you know slower pace than that so you're able to do a faster pace at the same kind of relative feeling of your exertion but you're actually accomplishing more work you're burning more energy doing it yes yeah, it's, it's fascinating so in terms of um because i think one thing too is that we can become um it's difficult to exactly define those terms as far as moderate activity versus vigorous Mm-hmm. Um, what is, or sort of a good example of, I guess, moderate activity, um, in terms of getting to this, these goals of, um, exercise each week. Yeah. For, for most people, you could think of moderate activity as being, a, a walk, a walking pace, a brisk walk, maybe. And again, it's kind of a range for people, the older you get, the more deconditioned you are. If you've, you know, gained some extra weight, you know, all those things are going to kind of depress your fitness. So, you could get to a relatively moderate pace at even a you know a slower pace of walking. But you know, generally we think of it as walking maybe somewhere around a 20-minute mile. Um, if you walk a, a you know three miles in an hour, uh, that type of pace, um, that would be considered moderate. Um, vigorous, um, usually you're gonna you know sense a little bit more with your breathing when you're doing vigorous intensity exercise. Uh, you don't want to do it to the point uh, where you're really out of breath. You know, but you should be able to, you know, carry on a conversation still, you know, mm-hmm. to do that uh, more vigorous exercise. But, 
you know, so that's kind of the, the most generic way of thinking of it, the general way of thinking about it. It's, it would be more like a walking pace is, would be moderate and, and a brisker one. You don't want to just uh, scroll or casually, you know, stop and smell the flowers, even though there's benefit to doing that and enjoying that. Uh, but if you're going to go out and do your exercise or get a good bout of physical activity and you want to do it continuously, so kind of get a nice pace of walking. And that would be moderate intensity. And then uh, you could do that on a treadmill where you could use elevation to, to make you work harder to get. You could still do vigorous activity while walking, but you kind of need a, a trick. Or maybe I know where you are down in Atlanta. Um, there's more hills and stuff here, Whoa, that here was in Indiana. We're kind of flat <laughs> terrain here, so we don't get too many options with that. But, uh, yeah, if you go up the hill, you'll work harder even at a walking pace. So Yes. Yeah. No, that was that was actually a big shot coming down here. Um, mm-hmm. I did not realize this is like like the Bronx. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've been to the Bronx, Doctor Kaminsky, yeah, yeah. but that's another very hilly uh, area. Even Staten Island, actually. So I've lived in like all these places, and um, yeah. coming down here, I was shocked because I was like, "Oh man!" Like, um, which was you know definitely um, in trying to start these, these routines. I was like, "Man, yo, I got to run up that hill like every yeah. day." Um, but yeah, man, this is definitely a uh, that's definitely a way to to boost your or enhance the intensity of your exercise. Yeah, yeah. Throw a hill in there. Um, but in terms of uh, actual exercise, so is there any and you did mention sort of, um, you know, muscular fitness. And I guess with that comes uh, or improving that resistance training, which you, I know you did mention um, in the, the 2008 guidelines on physical activity, uh, mentioned that maybe twice a week um, would be a good um, uh a good amount to incorporate and, and build up that uh, muscular fitness. But is there a particular type of exercise or even, I guess, in that, in that sense, fitness that is superior to the other? Um, or is yeah, there one, well, whether it's cardiorespiratory fitness uh, or uh, I guess muscular fitness, should we, is there one that we should focus on or um, how do we sort of, I guess, uh, um, prioritize. Yeah. Well, when I, when I counsel people, you know, with that question is the best exercise for you is the one that you're going to do regularly. So, you know, that's a nice thing about exercise. There's so many different things. My wife's, she loves to swim. She, you know, I'm a horrible swimmer. So (laughs) she enjoys that, you know, you couldn't drag me to like, she goes at six in the morning to go to the swimming pool. You couldn't drag me to the pool at six in the morning to do that, but she enjoys it. She loves it and does it. You know, I, I enjoy more upright exercises, you know, you know, used to jog more and stuff. I, I have a, I don't know if you've ever heard of the elliptical trainer. You can see it. Well, I have the bike version of that. It's called the elliptigo. So I get to use that outside, which kind of mimics the motion of running and stuff. Uh, You know, and I enjoy walking outside and doing those activities. So really, any of those, you know, whether it be cycling, you know, swimming, uh, running, um, you know, people dancing. like rowing, you know, any of those type of activity, dancing, you know, that's a great activity for people, you know, and a lot of people enjoy that, you know, mostly women, but some men too enjoy doing that type of thing. So any of those things that kind of get the whole body moving um, are good for you. So whichever one works best for you. You know, that's the key, I think. And then the second thing I would add with that is sometimes variety is a good thing. So if you're kind of doing this one thing and it's getting a little stale and uh, 
not enjoying it as much, try something different. Or, or you know, we use the term cross training sometimes, you know, where right. we'll do maybe 15 minutes on a treadmill and then I'll do 15 minutes on a cycle or an elliptical trainer or something. If I'm in a gym or if I'm outside, I could do 15 minutes walking and then get on my bike, bicycle and, and ride for 15 minutes. So kind of combining those might be the actual ideal because you're kind of using different muscles or muscles in different ways when you're doing that. So you're kind of tweaking uh, your adaptations you get by doing a combination of exercises. Got it. And um, one thing that we, we talked about this sort of dose relationship um, in terms of seeing these benefits. Um, so if, you know, we increase, let's say up to 300 minutes a week, mm-hmm. um, we're engaging in moderate to vigorous activity um, we can definitely see improvements in our health. But then you did mention, and, um, you know, I, I really want to make sure that we're, all, you know, our listening audience and all of us are on the same page that at some point there could be, um, right, maybe too much, I guess, mm-hmm. physical activity yeah. um, or exercise that could be detrimental. Um, so I guess how much is too much and what are some of the the adverse effects of of too much? And I never thought I would say this, but there can be, I guess, too much exercise. Or overtraining. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, from the guidelines perspective, they use that kind of number three hundred minutes per week. Um, but it, it really is individualized uh, with people as far as what you know, how much is too much. A lot of people can be very you know active on most days of the week. I, I've always been an advocate of you should you know get a rest day or at least a recovery day. Uh, built into your routine and whether that's once a week or twice a week to do that. Um, I guess the signals people would see if they're doing too much is instead of their body feeling good and and getting better, maybe is it starts breaking down where, you know, I'm doing something and all of a sudden, you know, I'm feeling worse from doing it. I'm getting really sore from doing this activity. My muscles aren't recovering like they used to and stuff. And those are kind of the signals that we see if, if people are overtraining or over exercising with Got that. Um, and, and for the general public, you know, I, I don't think that's much of a concern. Uh, you know, I think that's something that it's more on the kind of elite side or the, the real athletic side of things that, uh, you know, people can overtrain, you know, and obviously that's a, uh, kind of a fine line for athletes. You know, you want to get your peak performance. And and if I could just, you know, you're a good runner, Dr. Selby, but if I could just go one second faster than you, you know, I win the race. And, and so you're trying to go one second faster than me and whatever you could do to tweak your fitness to do that, you know, we want to do as athletes. But for most people, if you're thinking of being active or exercising for your health, it's probably not a big concern. And again, just kind of listen to your body is the best advice I could give. Mm, so when you feel that, that twinge or, um, you know, that, that soreness, that pain, yeah. um, especially if that's not the usual for you, maybe it's that time to uh, take a load off. One thing that I found helpful is too, when I get those aches and pains, um, you know, which sometimes will happen after running um, uh, so much. And, you know, I definitely had some knee issues mm-hmm. um, before so I know when, okay, I got to take it easy and maybe transition to, um, something like you were mentioning, like the elliptic go or right. another mode, um, like you, like what your wife did with swimming, mm-hmm. um, another mode of exercise to take the load off um, and minimize the chances of injury. Um, so that's definitely you know a strategy that I think can be helpful. Yeah, sure. yeah. And uh, one good thing, it's I don't know which uh, company it was, uh, kind of use it or lose it. Uh, 
was their slogan. And, and that's kind of true with uh, exercise in our bodies. You know, if we use them regularly, our bodies are actually going to thrive. They're going to get better. You know, that's the way our bodies were designed is to move and to do things. So if we do it regularly, they're going to improve and get better versus if, you know, we don't do it at all, they're going to deteriorate. You know, our muscles are, are going to become weaker. Um, we can't do activities we like to do. And then that's kind of on the other side of it, again, you know, if you do too much, it's kind of almost like overtraining is almost the same as not doing anything. Your muscles are going to start breaking right. down again. And so uh, how is physical activity being incorporated into sort of uh, medicine and, and healthcare assessments and treatments? I know you recently, um, um, you know, co-authored a, a big article in the American Heart Association really talking about cardiorespiratory fitness as a vital sign, um, which from what you said earlier about this being a major risk factor, right? Poor cardiorespiratory fitness being a major risk factor for heart disease, which we know is the leading killer of um, Americans, um, you know, uh, incorporating this into um, assessments, you know, uh, medical assessments, um, definitely sounds interesting. And so how is this sort of being uh, incorporated, if at all, into sort of what people encounter in healthcare settings? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see, uh, and, you know, what I started with uh, initially is uh, you know, some of the challenges, we haven't been at this that long. You know, it's really 20, 30, 40 years that we've really started accumulating more evidence. Um, and, you know, I guess I could ask you, in your medical training, did you have a class in exercise physiology? No, <laughs> that's an emphatic. Okay, uh, and, and that, so that's one of the things where you know, there are some physicians now that are trying to get that movement to incorporate this into your training as physicians. You know, so if we could get the information in our you know physicians' hands, you know, they're the ones that see the patients and they could translate that message. And and you know, physicians are no different than the rest of us. That you know, if I don't know something about some topic, you know, I'm going to try and avoid that. You know, if people want to ask questions about that, I probably won't talk about it that much because I'm not that confident in my understanding of it. So, you know, that's part of what we're starting to see is, is that getting into more kind of mainstream as far as not just physicians, but all health practitioners, getting it into the training that way. You know, so that's one thing. Um, I think a second thing is that we're seeing you know, physicians incorporate these questions into their regular routine with patients. So more routinely, I know when I go to my doctor, um, and I don't think it's just because I'm an exercise physiologist and he knows it, he asked me, you know, so how active are you? Are you doing any exercise on a regular basis? So that's something we've seen happen probably in the last five years more routinely. There's uh, kind of standardized questions that physicians can ask it, get be built into your electronic health records. So you ask a couple of questions and it populates up. And then, hey, when you meet, agree with that patient and I walk in the door and he said, well, I noticed that you really haven't been doing any activity. You know, you you should be doing more. And, you know, 150 minutes a week is something that I would recommend for you. So getting that message across and then with fitness, and I appreciate you mentioning that uh, cardiorespiratory fitness vital sign paper um, that is something that we're trying to get into medical practice is to really think of fitness 
because it is as powerful or more powerful than the risk factors that we counsel our patients about, cholesterol and high, high blood pressure and diabetes and all those things which are obviously, you know, very significant health factors. Fitness is so important. So if we could get that into your hands as the physician to, you know, get that information to know that, yes, patient, your fitness is low, and that's going to translate into some really bad health of you know, consequences for you. Your risk for having a heart attack are going to go up tremendously. Your risk for diabetes are going up. Your risk for developing high blood pressure are going up. All those things if, if your fitness is low. And some of the simple things we've done with that is just through, again, the most of the information you collect in your regular routine, you know, by measuring, you know, heart rate on a person and their body weight. And we obviously know their sex and, you know, get their age in the equation. We could come up with a, a reasonable estimate of what your fitness is from a lot of basic information that's collected in your routine physical. Obviously, to, to measure it more directly with an exercise test is the ideal, but that's, that's going to take a while to get there. So we could still, you know, get that fitness prediction, you know, from the common things that we get in our regular medical checkup. Got it. And for individuals, because one thing that we do, um, you know, sort of uh, try to impart on health in Harlem is for individuals to be their own health advocates, right? Yes. And as mm -hmm. I said, I mean, aside from uh, in medical school, then, I mean, I definitely remember VO2 max being mentioned. <laughs> in the, you know, we sort of had to understand uh or know the definition of that, but as far as what cardiorespiratory fitness is and how it factored into, um, uh, you know, how important I guess it was um, right. in terms of our overall health and well-being, it wasn't at the forefront of the curriculum. I can tell you that, right. and so um, it is going to take some time for uh, clinicians to really, you know, get to that point where this is something that we really bring to the forefront of the conversation of um, taking care of of patients, and so there is room. And I think there will always be room for patients to advocate for themselves and to be able to, um, uh, you know, sort of look at this uh, for themselves. And so how will one or I guess you did say that there's ways we can measure or sort of um, approximate one's fitness. And so how can someone do that themselves if their physician or um, medical practitioner, you know, is not as well versed in, in sort of um, tracking this? Uh, how can one get an idea as their own? As to their own fitness, um, and I guess with that said, uh, overall health level. Yeah, there, there are some kind of we call them field tests or things people could do on their own, and, and there's one that's out there called a, a one mile walk test. Uh, there's you know for people that maybe have a little bit more capability, a mile and a half run test. You could do it on a cycle or in a swimming pool. So there's some little indicator tests people could do on their own. Uh, certainly, if your uh, location that you're in has a a university that has an exercise science program. A lot of those programs would be able to offer that to people. They're always, you know, students are in training. They're looking for opportunities to work with the public. So those are usually pretty fruitful ways that people could go in and get it directly measured. We do that here at Ball State. Um, and I think another thing that people will start seeing is insurance companies are starting to recognize this, that there's you know, health benefits, which means less health expenses Lots coming down the road with that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's fairly common now. Cigarette smokers might have to pay more for their insurance. People who are obese might have to pay more. And I think we're starting to see that with more individual companies. Hopefully it'll get into bigger insurance carriers that 
they're also going to look at fitness and physical activity habits with people. And if you're regularly active, you know, so Dr. Selby, you're, you're running, you know, five days a week, you know, you're going to get a premium discount on your insurance plan. So, you know, we're starting to see that and that, that will help. And, you know, financial uh, things obviously impact all of us. So if there's some benefit to it that way, financially, that kind of gets people's attention. Seriously. I mean, you're talking people's pockets. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. definitely forces you to, uh, you know, take heed. Um, as far as the, you know, uh, our current understanding of the human body when it comes to exercise and physical activity, where is the field of exercise physiology and kinesiology? Um, and I guess we could even lump uh, cardiorespiratory fitness. Um, where is is this headed? And what can we see on the horizon, I guess, as far as the future? Yeah, we're really, you know, trying to hone in more on those combination of factors and, you know, how, how important is the muscular fitness side of things? You know, obviously, if we're conditioning those muscles in a certain way, there's, there's probably some benefits to that. So we're trying to learn those, you know, the combination of factors and that total volume, like we kind of threw out the 150 minutes to 300 minutes. Um, is that really all the same or how much different is it? So that's one area that we're kind of really trying to tease out a little bit. The other area that I'd I'd mention is the opposite of this and it's sedentary activity or, or no activity, sedentary lifestyle. So we're really, um, you know, there's a phrase, uh, you know, we use obviously people sit around all the time that's sedentary lifestyle and, and there's health consequences to that. But uh, some people have tried to become what we call active couch potatoes. So they'll do their, you know, 30 minutes of exercise and then they don't do anything the rest of the day. You know, they just sit around. So one of the important things is to avoid prolonged bouts of sitting. And a prolonged bout of sitting is anywhere for maybe up to an hour. So if, you know, people are sitting around and they're watching a show on TV, um, you know, or a podcast or a movie or something, just take a break and get up and, and just, you know, even if it's just standing in place and stretching your arms or something, that there's benefit to that. We're trying to sort out those differences between how much time do you just sit or not do anything? And then so many things in our life, you know, we're kind of forced into that. Um, you know, if we could just take some breaks in that and do that. And I guess the third area would be the mental health side of it. And there's certainly, we, we measure these things kind of from the physiological side and the heart and the lungs and the muscles we've mentioned before. But, you know, there's clearly some health benefits from this, from a mental health perspective and quality of life and well-being things with that. So really to truly understand some of those factors more, I think is a, a really hot area that we're learning more about. We know it's it's happening, but we just don't have as much evidence for that or, or understand why. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the get up and stand because um, I find my, uh, so I have an Apple watch and um, yeah. pretty, pretty other smartwatches do this where they like, you know, if you're sitting too long yeah. or you, yeah. you have to stand for an hour, it, and so I was like, yeah, I guess it's just like good to keep track of this. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll be in competition with like friends and stuff yeah. on a device and I'll be like, all right, I'm going to stand just so I can get out credit for this hour. But you're saying that there's actual health benefits with just that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even simple things like with uh, blood sugar, uh, with people with diabetes and stuff, that if they just get up, you know, at least once an hour and do that, there's better effects, you know, as far as glucose metabolism goes that way. So there's, a, uh, you know, more research groups coming out looking at some of those factors and these devices like your Apple Watch and 
a lot of accelerometers and things can track that now. And, and it's really astounding when you, uh, like one simple questionnaire, we ask people, how much time do you sit during the day? And people really struggle with that. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a busy guy. I, I'm always on the go doing things. So maybe three, four, five hours where most people, it's more 10 to 12 hours a day that they're sitting. And that's, that's how much in most of our routine life, you know, if people have a, a job that's in an office setting of some sort, I um, mean, you know, obviously there's some physical hours. labors that, you know, have to be up and about more, but uh, it's, it's pretty astounding how much time we spend in a sitting position or in front of a monitor now that we have all these computerized things uh, and we're just stationary. So that, that people have heard of, you know, standing desks at work. You know, that's part of it to get up and, and just being upright is better for your overall health and physical kind of movement aspect things. You know, they, some people have those little roller balls they could sit on, you know, so they're moving their legs and, and things around that way. So even simple little things like that have been shown to have some benefit and we're trying to learn more about that. Got it. Got it. Um, what would you say is the, I mean, if, if anyone listening to this program were to take away any particular message from, um, uh, everything that we've talked about, what would you say is the most important message um, that our listening audience should take home from from this program? Be active. You know, you, use your bodies. And, and again, it's a choice that most people have on a daily basis to make. You're, you're going to feel better from it, you know, from a psychological perspective, a mental well-being perspective. You're going to have more energy throughout your day in doing that. You know, obviously, I, and from my perspective, all those things are happening because your fitness is improved, but you don't necessarily have to get your fitness measured. It, it would be good if you did. But, you know, the behavior is the most important thing. So I just really encourage people, even if, if you haven't been doing anything for a long time. And, and the nice thing, this can happen at any age and in almost any circumstance. I mentioned, uh, you know, I work with patients who've had you know, cardiovascular disease, have had a heart attack or bypass surgery. They, they come to our cardiac rehabilitation program. So even when they've had a major, you know, health consequence, you can benefit from being more active and exercising. So it can happen at any age, um, you know, from the very beginning to, you know, really older age. So that it's, it's never too soon or too late to start. Um, and certainly I would just encourage everybody to really give that a try. You could do it with people. You could do it on your own. Uh, you don't need a lot of equipment or anything to do it. Simple things like just walking, getting up, standing, doing some exercises in your home uh, can all work. So uh, just be active. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I got to bring the wisdom of my younger brother. Yes, I said it, ladies and gentlemen. Y younger siblings have wisdom. And uh, it's just a few years ago, you know, I was, I was talking with my brother um, Matthew. And, um, he, you know, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, man, he, he, at that time, you know, he's very fit and, um, working out a lot. He was actually on a wrestling team in, in high school. And I was like, dang, man, that was me like just a few years <laughs> ago. But anyway, so I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, Matt, you know, I gotta, I gotta get back into it and start working out again and stuff. And, uh, I gotta get it. I gotta get back in the gym. I gotta get a membership. It's on. I don't know. And he was like, no, you don't need a gym membership. The gym is everywhere. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he blew my mind. Like to this day, that was just uh, the unexpected. <laughs> but yes, you know, um, just words of wisdom. And that's one thing, um, you know, that I, I strongly believe is that there's, where there's a will, there's a way. And we can definitely make this happen. And, and really, the way I look at this now 
is kind of like the ultimate life insurance policy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we look at uh, sort of a lot of things that can impact our health. There are many things that we really don't have control over, you know, um, and things do happen. There will be things that sort of arise in our lives um, that can significantly impact our health. But the one thing that we do have that the vast majority of us have control over is our activity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that I think we really, if there is any opportunity to, you know, really advance our health and well-being in life um, and be proactive, this is it. Like, this is why the way I look at this is like the magic pill, because we said from top to bottom, you will see benefits. And I think one of the things that we uh, used to think is people would say, oh, well, you know, if you're running, you'll run, you'll burn your knees out and, you know, you can uh, advance arthritis and stuff. But there's literature showing that the total opposite um, is true yeah. um, in that, you know, by shedding the pounds and being more active, right, you you strengthen your bones. Um, you can even strengthen uh, that connective tissue that holds everything together and allows you to move. Um, by shedding the weight, you put less stress on your joints. Um, I mean, there's, there's very minimal uh, instances or examples where exercise does not benefit um, your body and your over, overall health. So this is just something that we want to make sure that, you know, we get the information out there and hopefully we get you um, just looking at this in a different way, um, as burdensome as it might feel sometimes. <laughs> Actually, uh, Dr. Kaminsky, I know that you're an advocate and a fan of stress, um, uh, but not the stress in the, the coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic sense, but the stress on, you know, in terms of stressing our bodies with a little physical activity so that we can see these benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, in our health. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Kaminsky, we just want to thank you very much for, for joining us, um, and taking time out. Um, and this is on a Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. So he is here <laughs> and actually went to the university so that he can, um, cause his, his grandson, he said, you probably heard my daughter in the background. So I apologize from that. <laughs> but that, um, everybody knows Imani, Dr. Kaminsky. She's like a very, uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, important part of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And, um, you know, uh, on behalf of our listening audience, um, we, we really appreciate the time that you spent with us and yeah, thank you. And also I want to thank the rest of our team, um, Giorgio out there. No, you couldn't make it with us tonight, but we know that your heart and, uh, spirit are always here with us. Also I want to thank Reed, Ashley, Anastasia, Michael Holmes, uh, Ben Suferi, the entire Health in Harlem Harlem team, Mia as well, who just joined our team. Just want to send a shout out to you all. And um, and that's it, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you again, Dr. Kaminsky. Dr. Selby, thank you. And uh, happy holidays to you and your family and all your audience there. All right. Excellent. And ladies and gentlemen, as we always say each and every week, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself. Coming up on the end of the run now. Uh, yeah, this run is hard as hell, man. I mean, it's tough, but the crazy thing is that I just feel like, you know, as hard as it is, it's rejuvenating at the same time. Um, as I said, especially like when you're done, like once you're coming up on the end, just like. The fact that you're able to gather the will, the gumption to get it done. I think that's where the 
that's where it all, that's what makes it all worth it, man. And then, as I said, you know, the biggest thing is the family. It's not even about me anymore. Like, as of uh, going back to the show with my man Thomas Johnson, you know, the big thing was finding out your why for doing this type of, for doing this type of stuff. And the why is my wife, my two little girls, and my family, and my mother, get around to support her, still enjoy life with her, my siblings, and, you know, the many friends, close friends that I have. And then finally, like I said, the ice on the cake is that me and making this investment, and, you know, it pays dividends for myself and especially the bodies. You know, that's the big thing. Uh, and I really just think it's a take home with all this, man. Is that, uh, you know, this is like the ultimate investment in life. Regardless of all the money we got, the accolades, all that other stuff, nothing is guaranteed. And there's very little in this world that we actually have 100% control of. But this is definitely one of them. You know, you can decide for yourself how to be active and, and really, you know, make that effort to live a happy, healthy, active lifestyle. So I hit my five and that's it. <laughs> Done. Finally. <laughs>